We are at the Curtain Hotel in Shoreditch. Um, fantastic place, got private members um, part attached to it. Been working here for well over a year now with our company Woodbury House and um, one of the main top people here, a guy called Olivier, he's agreed that we could use the suite, which we're kitting out at the moment with some different artists, uh, to do a few interviews. So um, I have a good friend, business person, ex-footballer, represented the country as in England, um, guy called Kieran Richardson, used to play for Man United, like I said, very good friend of mine, and um, he's agreed to share his story, share um, the mindset uh, of a footballer, mindset of a business person, and also about some of the things that he regards as quite important, such as education and schooling system, um, what other things sh people should consider, or, or even if you're a pro athlete making money, uh, becoming a success, what you should be doing as far as education is concerned, how to invest your money, being able to give off the right energy, that kind of thing. So I think this is this podcast has got a um, a lot of lessons inside of it, and um, yeah, I was really inspired by speaking to Kieran, and I'm I'm humbled as well that someone like him has come on my podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you get a chance to come and visit the Curtain Club the Curtain Hotel or stay here, I suggest you do if you're in Shoreditch, London. And um, yeah, this is going to be coming out very soon. There's going to be a second part to it as well with Rob Moore. Uh, we're going to be talking, me, Rob, uh, and also Kieran about uh, watches, property, art, maybe even cars and talking about the benefits of them, maybe as investment, why people collect them, how the market's changed, how it's developed, how people are connected through these things as well because there is um many people don't realize but things like watches certainly can connect people because it's a great conversation starter it's a, a great ice uh breaker it, it can also allow you to uh, build rapport so yeah i'm looking forward to doing that i think we're going to be on the disruptive entrepreneur as well as sharing it on my podcast and I, i'm hoping we're going to go to peterborough in the new um the new uh, studio that Rob and his team are systemized and put together. Right, remember, be happy, never content. My name is Stephen Sully. Thank you for tuning to the Stephen Sully study. So we're here at uh, the Curtain Hotel over in Shoreditch in London. I've got Kieran Richardson here, good friend of mine. Thank you, brother, for coming <laughs> right. on my podcast. Nice no problem, one. No problem. Um, so... Uh, Steve Asali study, what that means is it's my ongoing study, my ongoing journey, looking at people, organisations, even big companies or institutes um, about their sort of road to success mm. and how they evolve and how they learn education. My, what I'm trying to get out of this is make sure that an audience, maybe a younger audience, are getting like a bit of inspiration, education to different people. And so it can help them and they can obviously get some wisdom and avoid certain mistakes that people can fall into and stuff. I think you're, I know you as a friend. So when I talk to you, talk to you like talking about football and stuff, it sometimes does, it doesn't even register with me because I know you're slightly different. Mm. But I wanted to talk to you about how you got into football, yes. how you progressed uh, and then also the different transitions. As I was saying before we recorded, um, you know, do boxing, business and now I've, got a new hat which is I'm a, I'm a father and I know you're also a father as well yeah. so how you can manage balance and do that kind of stuff so for the people that let's say want to know your story what's your what's your background okay my background is I'm from South East London New Cross originally I'm from Tulsa okay. not too far not away. too far um, I, was, I was in New Cross to about age seven I moved to Blackheath Kibrook to be precise and uh, I've I love football at school in primary school I love football I didn't take it too seriously I knew I was all right I didn't really start playing football till I moved to Blackheath and I started going to like a local um, boys boys center for me play football you go there and play football boxing after school and when you said uh, Kidbrook are you talking about near the ferry estate yeah ferry estate yeah, yeah. So I used to I, go there hang around I boxed a guy out of there did you yeah was he tough yeah 
one of the toughest people you ever was come he? across. Yeah. What's his name? I, I, I boxed it. It was years ago in, in the amateur league. Okay. Um, tall, massive guy, and mate, he was tough as nails. But Ferris, this is this Ferris, is yeah. Ferris gone now. It's no more there. I know it's all been knocked down. Yeah. It's a beautiful estate. Lovely. But I remember before I got in the ring, and I don't know how we just got got onto this, but. As I was getting in there, someone went in from the Ferrier estate and straight away I was like, oh man, yeah. I'm in for a tough night. Yeah, to be fair, the Ferrier had that sort of like stigma of like, yeah. don't go in, don't go in there. It's just like you'll get robbed or something like that. And it was like a maze, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like concrete jungle, mate. It's crazy. Um, uh, did, did the, the uh, architect, did I hear a rumour that he killed himself on there? I don't know. Yeah, like hung himself. But anyway, we're digressing. Yeah, we're yeah. going off subject. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so when I moved to um, Blackheath, I went to a, a boys club called Sammy Montague. I know it. You know, I know, that, that's the that's where the guy was from the yeah. Sammy Monaco okay, Box, okay. Boxing Club yeah. So, uh, yeah they have boxing club there yeah. so I used to go there every day after school just playing football um, just with my mates didn't take it too serious joined the Sunday league team but when I joined the Sunday league team I, I played a year above myself so, so what age was you? I was under I was 8 years old I played under I, I meant to play under 8s but I, I was playing under 9s only because my best friend was that age and I played in his team. My dad was the manager. Right. So um, when I was playing his team, I was I didn't stand out, nothing. I was on the bench a lot. I wouldn't say I was the best player. Um, and then I remember one summer, I know you in, the, in the summer you have like five-a-side tournaments. Sammy Montague, they had a, like a tournament in the summer. And um, there was a tournament going on and it was, it, it was my original age, what I was supposed to be playing at, but I never played at that age. I was, I was always above. And no one knew that I was the actual age. And I remember they had a, they had a man short, the, the, the team. And he said, oh, how old are you? They're like, to me. I was like, ah, oh, this is my date of birth. And he's like, oh, you can play in this. You can play. Like, I was like, yeah, I can play. I was like, yeah, play. So I played in it. And I got like, best player in the tournament. And everyone's wow. like, oh, wow. Like, cause everyone, everyone used, like, associated me to be the old, in the older team. Where <laughs> I, di I didn't stand out. Mm. When I played in my own age, then I, I like, probably like, standed out played well so that tournament was like, like a decisive moment for me so that following season played for that, that, that my own age got scouted Wimbledon originally I was at Wimbledon for like a year even then when, even when I went to Wimbledon I didn't take it too seriously I'd go to train at Wimbledon and play in goal I wasn't even like it wasn't in my head really to be professional professional right um, when I'm when I, moved, when I was about age 10, that's when I realised that I was special in that sense. I had a talent for it. I'd always work with my dad, do extra work. My dad, my dad was a massive thing for me. We'd go and do extras and things like that, work on free kicks, shooting from long distance. And obviously when I left Wimbledon, I went to West Ham. I was there I was from West Ham from age 10 to 13, 14. Just progressing, progressing, doing well, doing well, you know, winning things. And um, at, at age 14, my contract came to an end. I was looking around, Manu, Man United was sniffing around. Um, there, was a, there was an agent, not agent, a scout called Malcolm Fidgen. Right. Same, same scout that scouted David Beckham, took him to Manchester, the rest was history. And he was like saying, oh yeah, maybe I want you to come to Manchester. You know, we, we like the look of you. Obviously, West, I was at West Ham at the time and I'm a London boy. Yeah, I knew Man United was a massive club. And, yeah. You know, I thought, yeah, you know what, I'll have a little look. Yeah. West Ham was like, nah, don't go, stay here. And I think Harry, Harry Redner was the manager at the time. They wanted me to stay, sign the more contract, but nah. I went to Manchester. I did, I did a trial, like a trial thing. I remember the first, the first trial didn't do well. It didn't do too well. It, like if I, if I was a Man United scout watching me in that first game, I would have thought, he's all right, but nothing. I didn't stand out. Maybe I was, maybe I was nervous or whatever. Yeah, the spark maybe wasn't yeah, quite there. Yeah, and it wasn't till the second time. I went back a second time. I think um, then it just, I was probably like excelled. And then uh, they took me to Germany, like a little trip. And then I done well and they signed me. And But for me to sign for Manchester, you have to live in the area. Mm -hmm. So there's like a, Anyone who, if you, like, if you want to sign for Man United, you have to live in the catchment area. Mm -hmm. Like if anyone wants to sign for like West Ham, you've got to live in the area, like an hour drive, I think the thing it is. So I had, if I wanted Almost to- Almost like if you're going to school. Yeah, like same. School, yeah. So if I, went, if I wanted to sign for Man United, I had to leave home at 14. My mum didn't want me to go. 
God, that must be so tough because you got such a great opportunity, but then you got the yeah. love and bond with, with yes. the family. Yeah, exactly that. My mum didn't want me to go. My dad was like, yeah, he, 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 wanted, he wanted me to do what I wanted to do. So it was a bit of a, it was an easy decision for me. Yes. I just wanted to get, go to Man United, sign Man United, go score Manchester. It was amazing. Like, passion. The, yeah. Passion. The school was amazing. I remember even before I went to Manchester, in school in London, I wasn't even doing well in school. I wasn't getting the grades. They were like saying to me, oh, you're, you're only going to sit five GCSEs. They, you know, you know, school, sometimes they want to keep the average down when things go. Yeah. People who are not so academic, they try and make you take like three GCSEs. Mm. So when I went to Manchester in year 10, in school terms, the school was unbelievable. Ashton Mersey School, great headmaster, loved it. I was thriving. Football was great. Did my GCSEs in year 11, got 10 A um, to C's. So it just shows you how, Jesus. it just shows you with a bit of like the correct um, teachers who believe in you, you can do it. And you know, people who didn't believe me in London, in London schools, they were like suppressing me. Yeah. So I'll definitely say sometimes if things ain't going too well in a certain school, doesn't mean it ain't going to happen in another school. Definitely for my case. Um, so when I lived in Manchester, I lived, I went, I lived in Diggs. Diggs is like a place where a family will look after you. Right. Um, lived with a family, training twice a day, twice a week, because obviously you're not full-time these times. So you're still young. You have a game on Saturday. Or was it Sunday then? I can't remember. Um, so I was, for the next two years, you know, went to school there, played Man United, under 17s, 18s. Then you progress, reserves. And then um, I, got, I made my debut when I was... I made it quite early, to be fair. I think I made it officially when I was 17, but I think I made it when I was 16, my debut. Right. In a friendly, pre-season friendly, we were playing against... Ah, oh, mate. Sorry. My very first game was Boca Juniors at Old Trafford and back in front of 60,000 people in a pre-season friendly. I came on. Unbelievable. Went down the wing, doing a few things, you know... Couldn't believe it. I'd finally, after all that preparation, my whole life thinking about making it as a footballer, then finally, you know, you, you, you're there on the pitch. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I was warming up on the sideline, me and Wes Brown. And I was like, mate, just so many people. It's just crazy. Just looking down. Man. Yeah. And I was like, was it intimidating? You no, know, you know, yeah. It, listen, listen, it's very intimidating. At first, you kind of like, you don't want to get picked, you don't want to go on. Like, you like you're that scared, like nah, yeah. don't don't put me on. I'm not ready. Another day, another day. Yeah, just do it another time. It's like but, jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. You really want to do it. Yeah, but the moment that door opens, it's like I'm actually hitting my reality now. I remember warming up and I was with Wes and I was like, oh, just nervous. And then um, Silas Ferguson was like, did a sign. Come on, you're coming on like that. So I just run down the touchline, said a little word to me, go on. And once you're on there, you don't even think about it. It's just second nature. It's got the ball, start running at someone straight away. And then the crowd, <laughs> crowd's all high. It, get, it gets you. Uh, it's done. Yeah, it's finished. Adrenaline. It's adrenaline. But I, I would say that that little, even though I was, I was, I was nervous, but that, that will stay with you for a little while. It doesn't leave you straight away. Yeah. You're still nervous going like playing in the first it's healthy. team. Yeah, it's, it is very healthy being nervous. I always say it to people. Yeah. You know, it keeps you on the edge. Yeah. Even boxes and things that I'm sure they're nervous when they get in the ring. Just, you know what I mean? Of course. So, yeah, so I was at Manchester probably from age 14, 15. I left there when I was 22, 23. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had such great times there. So was it 2002 to 2007? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Five years you were there? Yeah, I was there five years. Manchester, great city. Oh, beautiful. One yeah. of the best. Yeah, definitely. Funny enough, not this weekend, but the next weekend, going Man City for the Man City and Chelsea oh, yeah. game. And I haven't been there in a very long time, but I'm mm. very looking forward to going out in Manchester. Yeah, I, I love Manchester. You know, I've, I've still got a house there. Yeah. So, but no, Manchester was great times for me as a person. Yeah. Great memories. Obviously playing with the best players in the world, you know. I, I I even got onto that like playing with my there's so many stories I could elaborate on so many Bolton stories to this but the one of the main ones I wanted to ask you about and I was going to ask this later but now we're at this yeah. this, this point um, I've read his book and I've also got his uh, on Audible yes um, I, I can't remember which one it is now but the book is called Leading by Sir Alex Ferguson yes. but also I've got some other things on mm. on Audible 
what the hell is it like to be like governed, looked after, mentored by mm. this man? I mean, he's so uh, this guy. It doesn't like if you look over the years, and you're going to say it better than I can. But mm. he's had so many different players from mm. all different backgrounds, mm. so many different styles from Cantonar, David Beckham, mm. yourself, Rios, mm. all these great people. But he, it doesn't matter which person came into the team he got the very very best mm. out of that squad yes. so how important is it do you think well I was going to ask a couple of things but what number one what's it like working under someone like him um, it's, it's unbelievable it's daunting sometimes you've got so much respect for the man that you, you literally like you look at him you, you talk to him like he's your dad you know how you talk to your dad you're like you've got respect for your dad and you don't want to talk out of line he has that top type of authority over you 50% Fear fifty percent absolute respect for sure, because you 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 know you don't as a player you when you're playing for him you you don't want to upset him so you you know you're gonna go out there and bust your balls for him and as you said he's got the best man management skills ever more than any other manager I've had in my life he's he knows how to manage people you know I think being a manager it's a that's probably the hardest thing to do how to handle certain people certain. Um, situations had to get the best out of people. Um, so Alex Ferguson wasn't even didn't even coach. Just standing on the sidelines and just used to watch us play. You'd have other people do that. Steve McLaren, um, Carlos Cueros. These are top top coaches. But then it doesn't mean that just because you're a top top coach doesn't mean you're going to be a top top manager. Mm. And Ferguson was the manager, but he was. He'd come. He'd like he'd watch training and not even say much. And then he would see things and stop and say this and that. But he just knew how to speak to his players. He knew the best team to pick at that specific time. And as a youngster coming through, he's great. Right, ran a changing room, ran a, ran a um, training ground. He knows every single person in that building. Yeah. Either be a cleaner, kitchen staff, young kid who's eight years old, who plays for under eights over the other side of the building. He will know all these young kids he, you know, he, he goes out his way to speak to everyone, make them feel welcome. So in that sense, that's, that's how you get the respect from initially because when you move up as a young kid, like me when I was 14, 15, you get to meet him straight away. Your family meet him. He, you know, he, he tries to find out things about you. Builds so, a rapport yeah, with you, basically. As I said, he becomes like a father figure, mate, to everyone. Doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Ronaldo, Rooney. Everyone looks at him as a dad. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why I think he's probably got that, you know, that, aura about him yeah I mean even now when I'm sure I haven't seen him in a long time but even now when I see him I'll probably not tremble but just be like you're right boss like you know what I mean he just yeah. give you a little clip running here you're right here you know what I mean <laughs> so but and even like I'll speak to other players it's, it's just the same I've seen them on their posts I see Rio David yeah. Beckham they always say the same thing I haven't seen or been around him for a few years yeah. but I always feel a little bit of fear when he's in the room 100% Hundred percent, and but he's a great man, and you know I've got nothing but respect for him. You know he gave me my gave me my platform, to, yeah. You know to go on to be a professional, yeah. You know um, gave me my opportunity, so I'll always thank him for that. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, you know I might not be here today. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, my football career at Man United was, I loved it. You know I won the Premiership with them. Um, What's few, that like? What's that feeling like? I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. As a as a young, I'm going back now. When I was a young kid, like age 13, 14, all I wanted to do was win the FA Youth Cup. That's so FA Youth Cup is like a the best trophy that a, a young kid could win. It's under 18s, I think it is, and you you're the best team in the country. I was brought up on that. Just to, in my head, I used to visualize winning that trophy, FA Youth Cup. I used to go, when I was when I was like 10, 11. I used to go and watch Rio play at West Ham in the FA Youth Cup and I used to think oh I want to win that one day and then when Man United we got to the final and we won it and that was like a massive thing for me that I had accomplished it because as a kid I always visualised picking that trophy up so that was a massive thing for me was, you know one of my highlights of my career winning that under 18s trophy so the visualisation definitely and like regardless whether you're in sports mm. business or you're just setting off your journey yeah I, I, I would always do that like visualization yeah, is key before before matches I'd always visualize me doing certain things me scoring how am I going to celebrate this and that it's very good to visualize what and you know you just make it happen so um, yeah so that was a massive thing for winning that trophy for me under 18s and I think as well with Manchester United the history of Manchester United any 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 player that had won the FA Youth Cup had always 
they always got a few players to make it into the first team. So mm-hmm. when I was young, I, I, I installed it. I told all the people in the team at the time, let's win this trophy because we know the history. Like we know, we know class of 92. Like eight of them made it as pros. So I, I, I always used to tell my players in my team, I was captain. Oh, was I captain? No, David Jones was captain. I was like a captain. I always used to say to us, lads, we've got to win this trophy because you know if we win this trophy, we're going to get a chance to make it at Man United because of history tells us that. You know, Alex Ferguson likes to put players in. Yeah. And when we did win that, I thought, yeah, you know what? Even though by then I'd already played a first team game. Okay. So yeah, that was that was a massive thing for me winning that trophy because I always wanted to win it as a kid. Premier League, winning the Premier League is just, you know, we know that's the highest level we can get in our country. Yeah. Obviously playing for your, playing for the country as well, which I did, is another massive thing. But no, winning that Premier League, picking it up. Nah. Is you, it heavy? It's very heavy. Yeah. It's very, very heavy. It happens, you know, the day goes so quick though when you're actually yeah. picking the trophy up and getting your medals and that. It goes so quick. Not only till now when you look back and I see all my pictures I've got, you realise what you achieved. Yeah. Um, I never I never forget a day when I, I was coming out of training one time. I was like 21. I was 21 or 22. 21, 22. Um, so let's focus on there. He called me over. He was like, you right, Kieran? I was like, yeah, I'm cool, I'm cool. He was like, how old are you? And I, told, he, I think he knew my age anyway. I told him, yeah, Gaff, I'm 22. He was like, done well so far, you know. Like, you know, I think he was like calculating what things I've done and what I've, mm. how many games I've played, what I'd won. I think he was, in that time yeah, period, yeah. He was like, you know what, you've done really well, you know, you've done some good things. And I was like, yeah, he said, you keep going, you know, you know, you can win, win more things. And it was just to hear that, it was massive, you know, just to, just to think that he was taking time just to actually think, you know, this guy's, this guy's done so much in such a short period of time. I, I already played for my country by then, England. I played for England when I was 20 years old. Mm. I know now we look back, we've got these young players breaking through even earlier now. <coughs> But back then, it was it was a massive thing for me as well. And obviously, mm. scoring on your debut and things like that. You scored on it for your England, Eng- yeah. England debut? Yeah. The way, the way the England come about was, it was oh, it was crazy because at a time I was at Man United, so I, was, I was having an, an average season. I was eight, 19 years old, 19, 20. And um, I wasn't doing well, too well. And I decided to go on loan. Right. Went to West Brom, didn't you? Yeah, went to West Brom. So it's said, go on West Brom, go go on loan. So I went to West Brom. Um, Brian Robson was the manager. Obviously, he has that Man United connection. Went there, done well, we stayed up. And from that, I got my England call up. So if I wouldn't have gone on loan, I never would have got that. Well, you never know, but I don't think I would have got that England so quick. Yeah. So it just shows you small little things you can, maybe, you, you, you know, I was on that path thinking Man United, but I had to go another path. Yeah, you know, to to get another success, like, yeah, which was massive for me. Yeah, so you had to make adjustments. Yes. So when when you were going online to West Brom, mm. did you think in your heart think, well, this is not Man United, so mm. this is maybe a downgrade slightly, or no, did no, you ever think that? And I didn't think that. I, I just thought <coughs> this is an opportunity for me to play in the Premiership, um, show people what I can do uh, on a regular basis. Right, but it, it did go from it did go from my mind. My dad would say to me, you know. You know, you never know because if you don't do well at West Brom, you might not be going back to Man United. So yeah. You have to remember, you've got to remember every game you're being watched. Of course. And you're being judged. Yeah. So you have to perform at the highest level. Yeah. And my dad would always keep that in, installed in me. He'd always keep me on edge. Yeah. You know, he was my he was my backbone for sure. Yeah. Even though my kept, mom as well. Kept you grounded and he stuff. He kept me grounded. He kept me on edge all the time. What I was going to say actually is... Um, Winning the Premiership mm. with Man United, talking about England scoring your debut. And we all know that, you know, when you become a very successful footballer, boxer or any athlete, the pay is there, then the fame's there, then you get endorsements. Yes. I've been around certain people in business, salespeople especially, have got the gift and they start making a lot of money. And there are certain people mm. that it, it still makes them humble. They, they do the right things, but mm-hmm. then there is probably more, I would say 70%, 80%, unfortunately, it can ruin them. Mm-hmm. So how did, you, how did you deal with so much greatness mm-hmm. from fame, money, mm-hmm. endorsements, recognize, you know, all this stuff? Mm-hmm. How did you remain fairly humble and grounded? Um, I think your parents play a massive part in that. Your parents definitely. You know, I come from a working class background. <coughs> my whole life, I'd see my dad, my mum working, doing, being business owners, doing business ventures. You know, we've owned video shops, we've owned sandwich shops. 
I used to work in these things with them and do it. I used to watch them as a little kid, you know, just hustling and bustling. So the value of yeah. hard work, hard graft. Yeah, because you got to remember my parents had me when I was young. They were 16, 17 years old. Okay. So it was very hard back then to, you know, bring, raise a kid. My dad had to go out and work. We had a coat hanger company. Wow, so, so random. They, so random, very random. I remember we was, we was in Jamaica. My dad saw some guy just delivering coat hangers. He's like... I'm going to do that back in England. <laughs> and we had a coat hanger company and we used, to, we used to go and deliver the boxes to all the, um, all the, um, what they called the cleaning, cleaning shops, get um, dry cleaning shops right. to them. So in me, I was, I was always a natural, it came natural for me to watch how to do businesses. You know, that's how I think me as a, my person, how I am now, who I love to do business, is because I think it's embedded in me as a young kid seeing my mum and dad do that. But as you said, I know when I've subject a bit there, young kids these days, it's, I believe the reason why I stayed at a certain level and didn't, you know, not spunk your money because it does happen. Because I, I, was, I was always wary about, I was conscious about money. I know it doesn't last forever. A lot of people these days, it doesn't matter if you're earning a million pound a week or 10 pound a week. If you've blown it every, every bloody week, it doesn't matter. You, you, you're going to run out. So yeah. a lot of people are not educated. They think it's going to last forever, especially footballers. Um, you know, I think they feel that it will last forever. And, you you know, sometimes it'll come to a point where you, you realise it's not going to last forever. You might be 30, 35. And you look back and think, wow, where's all that money gone? Yeah. I've spunked it all. I've, you know, I've, you know, I've got gambling and cars, women, whatever. It's hard. It's, it's very hard. Every person's different, you know, because everyone comes from a different background. For me personally, I always feel that I was always thinking ahead mm. of, of, of what I would do when I was finished. Like when I first got my first pro contract, I bought a flat straight away. When I got my second contract, I bought a house straight away. Next contract, I bought another house. It's just more, I was always invested in preparing for the life after football. Yeah. And a lot of footballers <laughs> do not do that. They don't prepare. They always think, okay, I'm just going to make 100 grand a week for the next 20 years. And I should, I should have enough at the end. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. Yeah. You know, you know, you can just blow money. It's easy to blow money. It's easy. Yeah. So you have to prepare for that. And I don't think. Also, there's a there's a there's a, um, a thing called PFA. They like they like look after all footballers, try and give them educational things about pension schemes and things. But I don't I don't feel that they educate footballers enough how to manage their money. Mm -hmm. they, all, they, all they turn around and say to you is what they did to me in my era. Oh, pension scheme, put your money in it, that's it. I remember uh, Anton actually talking to me about this when we, uh, me, Ruben and him sat mm. down and also mm. Cheeks actually and uh, he was saying, yeah, they would just approach certain players mm. and say, right, this is a scheme and it's mm. kind of telling them what to do with yes. it and then so many of them done it. Mm. I'm not saying every single one mm. was a scam but they yeah. end up losing a lot of money because of yeah. it and I think if you can get... It, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. Mm. I mean, I spoke to Robbie Lloyd-Taylor about this as a pro boxer when he yeah. won the prize fighter. He also got mm. money, endorsements, mm. bit of fame. And it's at that, that those moments where you've got to stay, I'm going to coin the phrase what Anthony Joshua says, but stay hungry, but mm. also humble, hungry, mm. hungry, whatever. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I think that shrewd move about thinking, okay, I'm making it now. Mm. Time's going to move on, yes. and so is my career. Mm. I've got to think about 10 years from now, 20 years from now. How can I have assets which mm. are giving me passive income, and yes. how can I invest into my own brand and my, yes. my own legacy? Mm. I think people like David Beckham's done a fantastic job. Yeah, amazing. Ronaldo, yes. it looks like people like Anthony Joshua are doing a fantastic mm. job now, mm. and obviously, yeah. obviously some like yourself, because like, like I said at the start, when... When I speak about you, think about you, I don't actually ever think about a footballer. I now think about this business person yes. and also more of a friend. Yes. So you've made that quite smooth transition. And I think, as you said, it's your surrounding, mum and dad, but would you say there's other people in your life, like mentors or other business people you've been affiliated to? Um, Books, podcasts, anything like that? <laughs> to be honest, I've never, I've never been an actual big reader, if I'm completely honest. And as you know, reading is a massive thing. To get the knowledge and things, you have to be able to read. I thought for me, I've always, I've never been like that. It's been more, as you said, listening to things. I listen to a lot of things, podcasts, or I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, but as I think, just for me, but on a personal note, I was I don't know. I just think it's the way I was brought up as a kid. My dad, my dad would always tell me about. Even though you've got this contract, it might be your last contract. So 
even when I was 23 years old and I got a contract, my dad would say to me, okay, you sign a three-year deal, but this might be your last money you get. What are you going to do with it? So I always had that in my head when I think some people might not have that. Mm. You know, you always used to embed it to me. This, you, this might be your last contract, so just make sure you prepare for it. And I would do that with the money I had in that one contract, I would prepare just in case if it did end tomorrow, I was financially all right to go and do something. So when I did retire, when I'm saying retire, I'm still, I'm only 34 now. When I stopped playing two years ago, the transition was so easy for me because I had so much off the field things going on. Now, when people talk about talk to me about football, they remind me that I, I was actually a footballer. Like I don't actually think about it. Like I don't like think, oh, Oh yeah, I was a footballer. Even though I know I'm a footballer, it's more I'm thinking about what I'm doing business-wise. Mm. So I, I don't say I don't, I don't want to say I'm kind of tuned different to most people because I'm, I'm sure other people are like me as well. But I was always preparing from even when I was 21, 22, 23. I was always preparing then for life after football. Even though I, I know I, I, I had a long career, long career, but I was always ready for it. Yeah. So I don't think people are ready for it. These, but as I said, going back to PFA, if you like, <coughs> people are not educated well. There's no when I was a when I was a player, PFA. No one would say about investing in certain things, property and this and that. The They're difference all, between yeah. an asset and a liability. Yes, no one would do that. All they all they would say is, "Oh, do your pension scheme." Yeah, and I, I, I'd, I'd always say, even though I've got a pension with them, I'd put minimal in there and put all my money in property. Yeah, That's, that was my that was my mentality as a kid. Yeah, nah, I'm not doing that because I'm I'm just property, property, property. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's how I did it. So even now, when we, I think I get my pension out at 35, I don't, I don't even know what it is. I yeah. can't even tell you. Yeah, what is <laughs> like? It's weird because when I first started sales, I yeah. said this earlier. Um, it was all always about goals, which mm. is great. It's mm. always about refining your sales skills. Mm. Being a effective communicator yes. which I think is so important in mm. anything you do in life whether you're trying to be a father mother a sports person business whatever it may be but then I think they were always telling me like yeah go and treat yourself buy a nice watch mm. or go and buy a car and for me when yeah. I first got into uh, what I declared as someone successful if they had a Ferrari for example yes. or a Lamborghini mm. my first thing is I've got to get one of these cars yes. and I got Fortunately enough, I've had a Ferrari, Lamborghini, mm. and really nice cars. Mm. But then you realise after you got them, it's like, well, is this it? Is this mm. what a success is all about? Mm. And I felt that I didn't get the invest into an asset which is going to pay you passive income, yes. invest into your own brand, yes. invest into more education. Mm. Because I was also kind of under the illusion that as soon as you leave school, your education's done. Mm. That's far from it. Yes. Life is a continue. For sure. Uh, amount of education in different fields forever until the day you die. Yep, you learn every so day. So I think young boxers. I'm very passionate about the young boxers because obviously I've been boxing myself. Footballers or anyone who's you know fortunate enough to get into these mm. fruitful situations, they've yeah. got to be educated about the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now outside of your craft. Yeah. I want to just go back to one thing you said earlier. Yeah. Um, Last night I went to Holborn to WeWork Space and it was for a podcast. Their third tier is called Secret Leaders. Very good one to listen to. Okay. Two guys interview very, very successful yeah. people. They've interviewed people who started Just Eat, multi-billion dollar pound company, yeah. uh, Shazam, all these massive, yeah. massive companies. And anyway, they've interviewed a lady called Joe Malone and okay. another lady called Justine Roberts, I think. She started Mumsnet. And they were last night doing a talk, Q&A, and a presentation about their journey. Yes. Uh, two females, wicked, absolutely like amazing mm. people. And Joan Malone said something, which I remember. She said, the reason why I wanted to go down this route is because I realised I had something different to most people, mm. which was my sense of smell was heightened more than anybody else. Mm. She worked out that all these people, on average, she had like a 10 or 20% increased heightened sense to a smell okay. so she knew it was that that was the path she wanted to go down and she made this massive brand and yeah. it's turned into a multi multi million pound company and she sold it i think here's my point she found out earlier on what she wanted to go into because she had this like spark or niche mm. with her nose mm. you said about that there was a spark when he was about 10 years of age as a footballer but what about people that haven't quite found 
that little spark what would you what would you say for them to to try and find it because everyone's got a role to play in life yes. but it's about how can you find your little niche you know what I, I, for me on, on my from think business wise and football I was went for what I enjoyed okay you know? so I love football I love watches you know so that's that's that's, that's the, always the angle I went I, I'm passionate about I do things that I'm passionate about I know it's easy to say oh I want to sell sell watches for a living because <clears throat> I love watches and not everyone can do that. But I always found that I, I, I'd only want to do things that I would like to just know. I enjoy doing every day. I enjoy waking up in the morning and going to do what I do business-wise. You've got to be, I think, to get the best out of you as a person, don't do something that you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, if, if you want to be a lawyer, fair enough, you want to be a lawyer, but don't do be a lawyer because the world tells you a lawyer gets good money and your parents tell you to do it just do something that you're passionate about you know and you enjoy you've got to enjoy your work if you don't enjoy your work then you, you'll never see the best things yeah you know? so that's that's always been my philosophy for me I have to enjoy what I'm doing otherwise I, I just won't do it yeah um, I went through a very similar thing when I left school I wasn't I didn't actually get as many good GCSEs yeah. as you and I was always getting uh, not as aggressive as probably I make out but back in the day I used to have like the head of the year say, well, you know, you're messing around always in school. You're mm-hmm. not going to amount to nothing. Then there was assemblies where they were publicly saying, if you don't get these good GCSEs, if you don't go to sixth form, mm-hmm. if you don't go into A-levels, you're probably never going to make anything. Mm-hmm. And it was this, I think it's so wrong how teachers are allowed to say that it's bad conditioning. Definitely. So I went into being a plumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't want to do that, but I just done it to please my yeah. mum and dad. Yeah. Then I went into a barrister's clerk and I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I hated that as well. Mm. And then I found sales. And what I'm trying to get at is sometimes you need to look around. Some people got a, it's quite clear, it's quite evident that they've got a height and smell. Mm. They can play football, mm. they can punch really hard or yes. they're fast and mm. they could be a, a boxer. Mm. But I think sometimes you need to need to search search Definitely. around and look for certain for things. For sure, trial and error. You know, you got to go in different. You got to see what you like. Some, as you said, some people doesn't don't really know what they want. So it's good to do certain things. Be a plumber. Okay, I didn't like that. Let's try something else. And you'll you'll actually find something that you you do like in the end. Yeah, and you go on with that. As you said about teachers, you're right. You're completely right. I do feel that they condition <clears throat> people where you think that oh, I need these certain grades. Don't get me wrong. It's great getting grades, but it's not end of the world. Mm. I know I know guys who have got no grades, but they're billionaires or, you know, got a lot of money. Yeah. Just by, you know, just being good people and, you know, learning. You, you're never too old to learn. Yeah. Even if you don't get no GCSEs, it doesn't matter. You can start again. Yeah. And go and learn. And, you know, the, as the whole school system, I, yes, I feel like, you no know, uni, I didn't go uni, but as soon as you go uni, you're in debt straight away. You've got to get a, get a loan. You it know, seems a bit backwards. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's it's crazy. Um, and, no. and I'm not knocking it because my partner she went <laughs> and she got a she got a fantastic degree. Um, I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking education because you know having education is key, and no one can, no one can ever take from away from you what's up here. Yeah, you know you can learn so many things, but I'm just saying, for me or my my for me, I believe just because you might not get these certain grades doesn't mean that you can't go own a company. You can't do this. Because most everyone who's got these degrees and things like that, you're just another number. So when you when it, when your um, resume gets put to someone, they've all got the same same thing as you. But what separates you from them? They, you know, it's about character. Yeah. When when you when you go for an interview, they'd be like, yeah, you know, I like this guy. They buy into the guy. They don't buy into you. Yeah, you got the grades, but hundred people got the grades as well. Yeah. So you're gonna get a job by. You you meeting the guy and you know coming across well well with him feeling the energy yeah. feeling the aura and being an effective communicator mm. and um, I know I talk about this all the time uh, regardless what field you're going to go into learn how to sell to a degree because it's all about how you present yourself for sure it's about how you communicate and how you can get your point across and yeah be an effective persuader basically yeah. in a good way you know not in a malicious way mm-hmm. in a very very positive way. Um, so let's say going from football then into business. Yes. Um, I know you've got a passion for watches, yeah. maybe jewellery, cars and stuff like that. Mm. What? But how did, like, you only stopped playing football a couple of years ago. Was that Cardiff? Yes. What What sort of, the penny sort of dropped thinking, right, I'm going to now leave a career which is paying me good money. Mm. It's, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. 
how do you kind of make that transition to go into a completely different walk of life? Or was it was it not as dramatic yeah, as that? Yeah, it wasn't dramatic as that. As I said, every every player has their own, you know, their own their own situation. Mine was, as I said, I told you, I've always, I've always been preparing for that. You know, as you said, I've been collecting watches now for 17 years. And that, that was my passion when I was playing football. Watches was my passion. I used to love buying watches, learning about watches. You know, and I try and tell people, oh, don't buy this watch, buy that watch. It'll make you, it'll go up, it'll, it'll, it'll go in value. Um, so from there, from, from collecting watches, I met a lot of big dealers around the world, became friends with them, you know, and I thought, you know what, after I, this is the type of thing I'd like to do, you know, buy and sell watches to people. And it just fell into that, really. So when I, when I, when I stopped playing football, I already had these seeds planted for me I was I kind of knew what I wanted to do yes I had property as well I had the property but what made me happy was buying and buying and selling watches to people mm. helping people build collections you know making people like just enjoy things I, I, I love seeing people you know just me selling a watch to them watching their smile on their face like they're happy to get that that gives me a buzz yeah so I, I love that I love buying something and you know, selling it closing a deal that just gives me a buzz yeah and kick yeah, yeah. That, that's me. I, I just love that. So um, my transition was very easy. Even though I'm not officially retired, I'm still young. I can play, but in my head, I know that I'm probably not going to go back and play football. But it doesn't bother me one bit. Mm. You know, I've had my great time as a professional footballer. Great memories, and you know, I've got that in my head, in my memory bank. But I'm looking forward to the next step of my life. Yeah, where am I going to go? Am I going to be the biggest watch deal in the world? You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I, and I can't wait. And I, I wake up in the morning, I'm straight out the door and can't wait to get up and just go around and do things. And, you know, it's a great time at the moment. But as I said, I, I don't really, until someone says to me, talk to me about football of my past, then I don't really think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my head. Yeah. It's weird because I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast yeah. with Mike Tyson on yeah. there, Reese. I don't know if you listen to it. Mike listened to it. Really good. Yeah. I mean, that guy is so interesting. I'm talking about Mike Tyson, as yeah. we well know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably our yeah. favourite boxer, right? Yeah, for sure. But he says they're literally two different characters. Mm. Who he is now yeah. to who he was back then are completely different. Mm. And he says that he doesn't even really think about the past, but when he does, he's like, I can't believe I'm fucking that guy, yeah. man. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just just a crazy, mm. crazy lunatic, but yeah. was such a character and such a good person for yeah. the sport. But going back to yourself, I mean, it must be quite a nice feeling to thinking, right, you're only 34. Yeah. You could put a pair of boots on, maybe yeah. sharpen up a bit. Yeah, of course. And walk into, I mean, could you walk into a premiership club today? Oh, natural Billy, of course. That's, that's not, that's not yeah, fitness-wise. Who would you go to right now if you had an opportunity? Forget about money. What do you mean? Do you think about? What do you mean? Who would I want to go to? Who would I want to play for? Who do, who do I think I can get into a team? So Both. Like, okay. I think I could probably get into any team, or probably apart from the top four, top five, like in the squad, for sure, on ability-wise. What but, a nice, a wicked feeling that must be. For sure, yeah, that's not a problem. Like if like I could, I could go and train with Chelsea right now and train with them and then not look out of place. That's that's, it's you know you're so con you're so conditioned, you're trained, you yeah, it's there. You'll never lose it. You just more you lose the fitness. Like I, I don't have the fitness now. It probably take me probably a month to get it back. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, you'll be there. Yeah, muscle memory. The memory's there. Bang. The memory's there. Um, so in that sense, yeah. But I would like to if I could pick any team I would play for. Honestly, it would be Arsenal because I support Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. You know, I know that's probably that's that's gone and that's never going to happen now. Yeah. But so I just I just focus on my next step of my life my wife my kids yeah raising them that's, an, that's another big factor as well I was going to say you know, this with, with my football <coughs> uh, when I was 32 I had opportunities to go around the world and play football but my family were based in London now we were settled my kids were going to school yeah and I thought nah yeah I could go to another team up the road and get paid money but it might only be, only be for one season one year and you know I'd rather be my family settled and me be in a certain a certain place and then traipsing my kids around the world, you know, not them being settled because it's very important to have your children stable. You know, it's not good to have too much, especially, well, my own kids. I know my kids and they, they like to be in a certain, they don't want to be going everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So I made that decision as a dad and my wife as well that, we you know, we want to be here and we're staying here, we're not moving. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, 
won't go get so much into watches even though I was going to because yeah, don't get into that that's, that's, that's another day that's another day Rob Moore wants to have this uh, freeway conversation on his podcast um, which I'm really looking forward to so if we can do it that'd be great yeah um, but um, so you've moved into this sector it's your passion yeah. business everything else um, I I what was I going to say earlier? this is it so I done a podcast ep- episode a little while ago saying the reasons why people should buy watches or if you're if you want to be a success it's not a must or have to but it's something to consider and i've got a reason behind this mm. buying watches you can probably support this as well certain brands yes. protect protect for leaps mm. richard mills uh, certain ap's everything else yes. can go up in value so it could be a good investment but i think it's more important to have some of these watches on in the right circles because it's a conversation starter oh, yeah. and as we well know conversation starters can literally manifest into incredible stuff like the whole reason why i'm doing this podcast the honest truth the right pull back i was sitting at a seminar once listening to rob moore yeah. at my protect for leap on nautilus he noticed it out of everyone in that room there must be a good hundred people there yeah he come over to me live as he's doing it, going, that's a nice watch. Yeah. They pulled me to a side and we started talking. Then I, he kind of half convinced me to do a mm. podcast. And now here we are that's because crazy, of because of a watch. Yeah. So I feel like getting certain watches, if you're blessed or fortunate to be in a position to get them, can, if you're in the right circles, of course, yeah. not if you're going to the wrong places, in the right places, yeah. can help you mm. broaden your network. If you were to give anyone, any of us about the kind of watches they might want to collect, yeah. invest into ones that are going to give you a bit of respect mm. feel good factor what what would you say as you said there Rob was Rob loved watches that's where he probably came over to you straight away mate he is obsessed with <laughs> watches yeah I know he is but it's a good thing to get definitely I, I always I do tell my clients my, my friends as well first thing people do and I, I know I don't, I don't want to sound too materialistic people just look at your watch you know, and obviously me being a watch guy, if I see someone with a nice watch, you know, it already rings alarm bells in my head. Like, okay, you know, he knows what he's got, he knows what he's doing. So what I would, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say this actually. It kind of almost, I know some people can fake it and stuff. Yes. Yeah, which, you know, mm. is what it is, but it validates a person mm. before you even open their mouth. Mm. It's almost like, well, they got that watch on. Yeah. You know, what's, like- What's or, he do? Who yeah. is he? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I can say this, but even they got tall blue on. Yes. Like, like if the people that know know mm. will know the price of that yes. but also know that it's more than the price it's about like the heritage of it mm. the mechanics of it yes. the complications yes. of it and therefore it kind of almost supports that that person could be quite educated yes. or could be well, well yes. connected do you see what i'm trying yeah, to get for at sure listen go back to your first question you said what sort of watches would you recommend to people it's, it's a hard one because everyone's different i buy i buy watches because first of all, I have to like the watch. You have to like the watch you buy because you don't want to buy a watch and you know you don't like it. You got to be able to wear it. You know, I wear all my watches. I know some people buy them for investments and that, but for me personally, I buy what I like. Even though I know what to buy, which which which, which brands to buy. Me on a personal, the brands that I sell and stick to are Rolex, Richard Mille, Patek Philippe, and AP. They're the only brands I deal with, so I don't have any other brands. I don't sell any other brands. Cartier's, Hublot's, you know, they're, all, they're all good brands in some respects, but I know what's popular. I know what, what sells, sells best. They're, them four brands sell best by far. So I would say stick to them four brands if you want to get involved. doesn't matter if you're buying a £5,000 Rolex or a million pound watch. You know, you've got the name, the brand there. So Yeah, fair enough. Um, the thing I was going to... Yeah, you might as well answer that. Um, the thing I was going to ask you, I'm going to completely change the subject now. Um, I've always been a big supporter of becoming, getting fit. Yeah. The saying is, you need to plan your work and work your plan. Now, if you're not fit, if you're not eating the right nutrition, if you're not resting right, you're not training right, cardio, weights and that kind of stuff, you can't possibly work your plan to the most effective way. Yeah, for sure. So how important do you think it is even in today's, like you're, you're a family yeah. man, you're mm. a businessman, you were obviously a footballer. Mm. How important has fitness played even in recent years? Fitness is a massive thing for me. You know, obviously being a footballer, we're like, 
we're not soldiers, but we, we're 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 set in a certain way where we we're conditioned to train at certain times, and it's like it's already programmed into me that I need exercise to. For me now, I I can't imagine not doing some sort of activity. So even though right now I'm doing boxing, uh, it, it gets me ready for my day. In the morning, I'll go straight away and do boxing early doors, and it prepares me right. You know, it sets me up for the day mentally. Obviously, keeping healthy, keeping fit, it's great for the body, great for the mind. We know that drinking a lot of water, but um, I would definitely recommend that to people. Finding some sort of activity, Not, you know. Obviously, I do boxing at the moment, but it just it just keeps me. I don't know. For me personally, I just love being active. You know, and releasing some energy. Sometimes you, you know, if you're moping around and not keeping active, you know, it can bring your, you know, your, your levels down, and you're not, you're not concentrated. Yeah, and you must have challenges even with, um, with business today. Something may not, may not go right. You know, you might miss out on a deal. Something mm. might wind you up. You might get frustrated, stressed out. For me, if I didn't have training, I would literally be going crazy. <laughs> yeah, you of know? course. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a stress reliever. Yeah. You know, my, my dad, he, he swims quarter of a mile every morning. And he tells me that's the best time in the morning he does his thinking. Yeah. Before he starts, he's in that pool doing quarter of a mile lengths and he gets his like thinking going on. And sometimes I, I swim with him and I, even me, when you're, in the, when you're in the water, you're just thinking about things, you know, you're running through, through, through your head. So yeah, no, definitely I would say try and do some sort of activity. And so uh, I've only got a couple more things to ask you, but on training, like when you was at your height of your career, mm-hmm. Man United playing for England or even any of all the yes. other clubs. Mm-hmm. What is the kind of training like? Because I know a little bit, but I don't. I know what boxers do. Yes. But Listen, what the what the what the what the Premiership elite footballers do? If I'm if I'm completely honest, the tra- yeah, obviously the training's hard. You know, you go in the morning. It's it's hard, but it's not that that hard. Where compared to boxing and things like, that, obviously they're completely different. But I found that when I was my fittest ever I did my own training with myself with my personal trainer so I had my training with football and I'd go do extra to get much much sharper much stronger much fitter if I would have stayed just in that football training yes I still have been elite athlete and fit but to get to that next level I think you need to put more in because as footballers we train three hours in the morning actual real real activity an hour and a half just playing football so it's not that much an hour and a half at, at the whole day so I, I made myself I made a conscious decision when I was 24 I was I went I went for a, a one season I was injured for one season uh, and the following season I said to myself I'm going to come back ready for that season and the fittest ever and I did that I got a personal trainer I trained over the summer I didn't go on holiday nothing like that and when I came back that following season I had the best season of my life that's incredible yeah you know but I had to make that decision if I if I would have done that I would have been going through the motions yeah I would have been training normal but you have to so I think I think most footballers now they do extra you have to do extra you know you've got to stay on top of your game because you know as any any sport you, you, you want to be the best you need to give yourself the best edge you know? yeah you got to you know you got to think okay he's he's at home right now on the sofa but I'm out running I want it more than him yeah you know you get what you put in yeah you know you, I, I always had that type of mentality anyone I work, work with especially sales people um, I always say that yeah what you do at work is obviously important mm. but it's more what you do outside of work mm. so obviously learning your, your field mm. training uh, making sure you're not going out and you know drinking and all that kind of yeah. crazy stuff and getting worn out mm. because if you don't mm. you might sound all good now but later on you're going to get found out because you know the, the your your results in that month will, mm. will, will tell the real story and boxing is the same you might look good on the pads you mm. might look good you know doing a little bit of a spa mm. you might look good on the bag but the moment it comes to fight night you'll yeah. get found in that, out yeah. in that ring there's two stories when you just said about uh, putting the extra work in I don't know if this is a myth, but I remember hearing it about Wayne Rooney, about he scored in one season more headers than he did in his most of his career at Man United because when that summer came, he practised just headering the ball. And I think he was the most effective... I don't even know what you call it. Headering goals for that season. And he just proved that if you sacrifice certain things and work on small little niches in your performance, Definitely. you can really become outstanding. For sure. Um, I, I don't know that story, but it doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, if you decide to you know, work on a certain thing 
it doesn't surprise me that he scored more headers than normal because he spent he put that time and effort in. It's like anything you put that time and effort in and try and learn that that specific craft of heading. You know, come game day, it's going to be second nature to you. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then it won't feel second nature to you. So, like any in any aspects of life, you know, if you want to, whatever you want to do, you've got to put that specific work in for that specific task. Yeah, definitely. Mm. A couple more things then. Uh, just going to be some random questions. Um, what would you say in like maybe football or even business? Yeah. What's been like your kind of worst, most challenging, darkest moment, and how did you overcome it? Oh, I've had a few dark moments. Mm, dark moments you know what I say I've had a few dark moments it's not when you look back now it's not really dark dark you know when you go through bad um, you're not playing well they're probably your darkest moments but when you're a footballer you, you take it to heart so much as like you play a bad game like I would play a bad game and I'd go home and just you know I'd be a zombie I'd be thinking about that game for the next four days well not even that the, until the next game to try and put it right, you know. So, as, as footballers, and I'm sure most footballers are the same as me, when we have bad games, you know, it plays on us. You know, we want to try and put it right. But when you look back now, it's only a game. It's only football. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my darkest moments, really. I just probably just having a little bad run of a spell, have a, have a bad form. But as you know, form's temporary. You know, you know, if you've got the ability, it, it'll always come out in the end. And yeah. So, as footballers, you, you'd always find that if you're a good player, even though you're, you're having bad a bad form you always will rise to the top in, in the end because you're a good player. Yeah. So what's been your best moments, like even in recent years? It doesn't have to be about football. Uh, my best moments in my life so far is definitely my children, having kids, my wife, on a football, on a football terms, <coughs> playing for my country. What was that like? Walking out, having that top on. Yeah. Everyone just so passionate. Mm. I mean, you're like, to modern day bloody gladiator <laughs> no listen <laughs> as I said with, with football as well you, you, you're, not, you're not in a bubble but you're in your, your own world so like you don't really realise what you're achieving you know, I'm sure a lot of people like that sportsman you don't, re, you don't really realise what you've done until you've actually come out of it and you look back you think wow I actually done that I actually played for my country I walked out put the jersey and scored a goal for my country it's, it's crazy what was that like Oh, unbelievable! Like best, one of the best days of my life. Euphoria. The, yeah, autonomy, everything. Like it's just. It's a funny one as well, but with that game specifically, my debut for England, I wasn't even supposed to start. Um, Stuart Downing was starting <coughs> before me. <clears throat> he got injured the, the day before in training. Oh, Do you know what I'm saying some things, you know. Are, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. You know, some things are meant for you. You meant for your time, and uh, and that, the day before we was we played that game, I was practice, I was practicing free kicks, practicing, practicing. And they were going and they were going everywhere. Row Z. I wasn't hitting the target. I couldn't hit the target. It saved my life. And in the game, the free kick came. I remember I stood over the ball because I've always been good at free kicks. And I think someone, I can't remember who was standing next to me. It might have been Genius at the time. He was like, oh, I've got this one. Like, so I'm going to take this. Uh, obviously, he must have been thinking, oh, no, nah, yesterday, mate, he was awful in free kicks. Why are you even standing there? And I was like, nah, nah, this is me, mate. Bang, top corner, done. Oh. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so definitely the practicing before, it, it definitely prepares you for the game. Yeah, wicked. Um, so if anyone wants to find you, social media? Yeah, I've got social media, um, Broadwalk. That's my social media. People say to me, why Broadwalk? Why is your name Broadwalk? Broadwalk, well, it's the name of my company, but also that was the, that's the road as a kid. I was, my road as a kid was called Broadwalk in South London. So I named my company after that and... That's it. Nice. Yeah. Um, I always have a catchphrase after my podcast. I always say, be happy, never content. And what I mean by that, because they're quite conflicting. Yes. Be happy is a state of mind. Yeah. People talk about sometimes. I remember when I was a kid, people were like, I want to go to Australia to find happiness and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, bet, I, I bet places around the world can make you feel happy. Yes. But happiness for me is a state of mind. Mm. Regardless if you're going through adversity, challenges, mm. you can always find goodness out of them mm. and sometimes they're, they're your best lessons mm. so state of mind being happy but never content what that means is I'm happy but I'm always looking for a higher level mm. so I'm not unhappy and trying to pursue it yes. I'm happy but looking for the next yeah. kind of sector chapter in my mm. life if I was to ask you be happy never content what does that mean to you straight away yeah, just just be the best you can be um, I'm similar even though I'm very happy in my life at the moment, I always want to try and be better. Um, 
not saying that even if I stayed in a certain, I just, I just want to improve as a person, not just financially, just you know, just being able to you know improve as a as a, as a father, yeah, as a husband, you know, that's my main focus for me on that level. And I, I obviously I'm I'm, I'm I'm a firm believer in God, so me being being close to God makes me happy. So that little thing there, you're right, it's like that with me as well. But I'm definitely content. But it doesn't mean just because I'm content with my life at the moment doesn't mean I want to go on and do better things. Yeah, wicked, sure. wicked, mate. Well, look, uh, hopefully we're going to get the second one with Rob. Yeah, for sure. On disruptive entrepreneur, talk about property, uh, probably cars, watches, yeah, I know, art, like, yeah, as well. We, we we love cars, we love art, we love watches. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm happy to do that. Wicked. Okay, thank you very much, brother. No problem. Nice one. Cheers. And that's a wrap. Cool.